Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everybody and welcome to the talking about podcast i'm your host daniel olinger and i'm joined by sean kennedy as usual but sean we have a guest today right lead voice dave early of libertyballers.com is on with us today Uh, we're going to go into some trade speculation what the sixers could possibly do this offseason to right this sinking ship it's a tall task, and Dave's the man for the job, so. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I'm happy to be here, guys. Dave, Dave can join the, collab- the next cl- version of the collaboration in the Sixers front office with Elton. He, he can be one of the voices. I, I would have preferred to have been there a year ago when I was saying, don't get Horford, he's got bad knees. This year, I honestly don't even know where to begin. <laughs> well... One thing that front office does have to do is sign a head coach. And there's, well, there's been a big news in the head coaching hiring world over the last like few hours as the Brooklyn Nets out of nowhere hired Steve Nash as their head coach, which basically indicates that if it wasn't already clear that Ty Lue to the Sixers is a pretty likely proposition. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Lou was also rumored to have some interest in the Brooklyn position. Brooklyn, obviously, one of the few teams that are looking for a head coach that also could be a potential contender next year with, you know, KD coming back and Kyrie Irving as well. So Nash going there with Jock Vaughn remaining as the lead assistant, uh, that kind of there's one fewer option out there for Lou uh, for places he would want to go. And Philadelphia seems to be where he's, zeroing in on and Philadelphia has mutual interest from all the reports we've heard so far. So uh, I would sure love to have uh, the front office situation a little more clarified and uh, all the Colangelo guys cleared out of there before they make any coaching decisions, but uh, all signs seem to be pointing to Ty Lue at this point. Yeah. What do we think about a potential Ty Lue hire? Cause me personally, I, I never loved Ty Lue, the head coach, and I might be biased because I grew up in a house where my dad was a pretty hardcore Cavaliers fan, and he was not a big fan of Ty Lue overall. Didn't love, like, his play calling or just, like, certain things he did. It's like, it's like what else were you really bringing to the table, like, on the court? What were specific things you could point to? And, I mean, I don't think he's the worst, but it's like he gives me – 
he's like he's not he's obviously different from Brett Brown, but it's a little bit of the same Brett Brown vibes where it's like, yeah, Tyloo is fine. I'm not sure if Tyloo is a great coach that the Sixers really need. So I went into this pretty in depth with uh, Adia Royster on the Out of Sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. So if anyone wants to go into a more fleshed out coaching discussion, check that out. Um, I'll just summarize my my basic thinking is that Tyloo was the head coach for three years basically, and he had the uh, the the year when they LeBron left and they had the rebuild and they started zero and six before he was let go. Um, which I don't think that's fair at all. And, you know, we saw when John Beeline came in, what a miserable roster it really was. So Lou was kind of in a no-win situation there, and they didn't really give him a fair shake. But the three years he finished the year as the head coach, he reached the finals each time and won one title and lost two against a historically great Warriors team that had Steph and KD and everybody else. So I'm not really sure what more you wanted him to do. He kind of achieved everything you could realistically hope he would achieve. And obviously LeBron played a huge part in that. And they had Kyrie and Kevin Love and, you know, players have the majority of the responsibility uh, in the success of a basketball team. And I think sometimes coaching gets a little overstated for the impact they have. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else he could have done. He's a guy that, you know, seems to have good relationships with star players and and bring the best out of them. And, you know, there's the anecdotal stuff about he was willing to, like, really lay into LeBron on the bench and a guy that would, uh, you know, speak truth to him and not just, like, kowtow to him. So maybe he can do the same with Joel and Ben. I, I, I'm just going in with an open mind, and I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be against the hire. So, Dave, what do you think about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm open-minded to it. I think um... – I was persuaded a little bit on our, on our Liberty ball or slack by Jackson Frank, who made a good case for him, a pretty strong case for him. He, uh, he cited, you know, the Mike O'Connor sort of thread on Twitter talked about like, you know, one of the biggest knocks that has been on Brett uh, as much as we all loved him was accountability with the two stars. And I think that Lou, you know, not that nobody has heard this before everyone's heard this stuff, but he, he was willing to stand up to guys like LeBron and Kyrie, and that's probably no easy task. And he's been lauded for some of his, I guess, defensive execution. And, you know, the Sixers were surprisingly disappointing on defense. A lot of us projected them to be really, really good. And it just felt like we, we finished the season. I know Ben wasn't there, so that makes everything look worse. But we finished – the season really questioning their, their strategy. You see teams like Toronto and Milwaukee offering a lot of threes and the Sixers had this really stubborn decision to disallow any threes and force everything with this deep drop coverage. And we started wondering about it. So maybe accountability for the stars and maybe some better defense couldn't be the worst thing. I think he has it on his resume. Yeah. When I say like, I, so, like, I, I, but you guys both made really good points about Ty Lu, and I completely understand those. I would say that I think I'm not, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I think that in 2018, his last full year with the Cavs, that their defense was really, really bad that year, if memory serves correct. And offensively, like, I'm not saying, like, they put together good offenses, but I, most of their offense was someone set a ball screen for LeBron or Kyrie, so they get a switch and a mismatch, and then they take, take them like (laughs) that was basically and like 
it also helps that J.R. Smith set like the most illegal screens in the history of basketball, and they never call <laughs> it. Jay, I just remember J.R. like two hand like pushing everybody out of the way to get switches, and they just would not call it. So, like, I'm not saying and, like to be honest. Hey, he adapted right. Like, if your offense works well, where you can just get LeBron a mismatch and you can let him take some guy, like, sure, go for it. That's good offense. Like, so it doesn't necessarily it doesn't prove that he like doesn't know how to scheme up great offensive plays or good sets or good motion but I don't it doesn't necessarily prove that he can do that either because the Sixers don't have any at the moment barring any um trades we might get into potential offseason trades the Sixers don't have an on-ball creator that can really attack a mismatch on the perimeter after you get switched onto them if you guys know what I'm saying yeah do you have do you have anyone in mind like if you were in charge who would you hire as coach? Is there anyone you think could be like the next star or would you look for a guy with experience? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we were all hoping that the Jay Wright pipe dream might've come true one time. I would absolutely love Jay Wright if that ever, for some reason at all happened. But I mean, uh, I've been driving home like the Darvin Ham train because he, he was the assistant in the Milwaukee Bucks, which of course is not looking great considering the last two games the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> played. So that's looking – I mean, hopefully he makes a few more adjustments than Bud does. Like, he has a bit of a um, more lenient playoff philosophy. But that I, I'm okay with hiring, like, assistant coaches that you think are good like that. And, again, like, I'm not going to be furious if they hire Ty Lue. I'm just – I mean, this was the problem with even getting rid of Brett. Is like, as much as Brett needed to go, it's like, who are you getting that's better, really? Yeah, that was the question we all have always had. Like, you know, who are you suggesting they get? I'm pulling up our Slack now. Let's see. Jackson Frank suggested Chris Finch or Jerry Stackhouse, it looks like. Like those names? Um, I, I know I've always heard that Jerry Stackhouse is in line to take the UNC job whenever Roy Williams leaves, I think. But, uh, I mean, I, I've heard really – I do know I've heard really good things about Stackhouse. Um, as much of an NBA ner- nerd I am, I haven't heard much about Fincher, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What's Darvin Ham's philosophy on playing star players more than 36 minutes in must-win <laughs> playoff games? That's That would be my first question. I lost <laughs> my mind watching that last night. when It was like the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and Giannis sat for like three minutes. I'm like, what are you saving for him, at, him for at this point? What, it, it, they had a five-minute stretch of like in the second quarter where they didn't play Giannis or Middleton and they got absolutely killed, which surprise, surprise, your two best players and two best on ball, like scores don't aren't on the court. You're going to struggle. And Inexcusable then, stuff. Yeah. And he, this is, this is kind of like our field. Like, is it possible that they're hiding some sort of tendonitis type thing or some sort of unicorn related injury? Oh man. They don't I don't even that. want to release conspiracy time um <laughs> i mean why else would you do it at this point in the year i mean the i've always heard the stuff that they claim that Giannis plays so hard that he's so intense that he gets winded which maybe we could just start it as everyone talks about mb needing to get in shape how about Giannis get in shape already come on man you gotta be able to play a lot of playoff minutes <laughs> i heard, yeah, I heard always, go ahead um I, I heard some rumor where they have some like deep analytical data that they call it like rest bursts where these like bursts of rest frequently allow them to play at a high level. Um, but yeah, you add it all up and it doesn't make sense. You need your MVP and defensive player of the year playing like 40 minutes and in a must win what's essentially a must win playoff game. And then, yeah, it, it's not even 
just the the rest stuff. It's also like Chris Middleton picks up his fifth foul with five minutes left, and Bud sets him for like ninety seconds of the game. There's, there's five minutes left. Keep him in. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's your best like ISO scorer on a jump shot of any kind. So, I, and I don't I don't get his obsession with playing Pat Connaughton. Like Pat Connaughton just isn't very good. And I saw one great tweet of a Bucks friend of mine where he's like, I think it was Milwaukee Bucks go on a run, Coach Bud. Now is the time to sub in my three white guards. <laughs> <laughs> Connaughton had a nasty block on someone. I forget who. Yeah, he has some good moments. Burrow, but maybe. Like not shooting well, and he's not defending all that well. So I don't know what he's really doing. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, as much as we could go on for this, that is for our friends over at Brew Hoop to agonize about. Uh, yeah, I want to let me just pose a question for them. Figure out if there is some sort of lingering. Like, didn't Giannis have a knee injury this year? Is there something under the hood that's? Oh, that's a good point. So See? maybe because if I'm Coach Bud, I'm I'm like betting my career on this this series essentially. I mean, not that he wouldn't get other jobs or have a long tenure there, but you can't lose another disappointing series. Otherwise, you're going to have this like I think at the playoffs reputation at least. You would want to go down with the ship. So maybe there's something else. I don't know. I don't think he would get fired if they lose the series. No, I think no. the bigger danger is that, like, there would definitely be a lot of momentum to the is Giannis leaving kind of buzz. Yeah, that too. If, he, if the they franchise is at stake here. Well, who do you guys root for in a Miami-Boston conference finals? Or is that just lose-lose? I still root for, uh, I still root for Butler. I can still see him in the Sixers uniform. So I know that's sacrilege because so many fans hate him now, but um, I still feel like he's kind of one of us. I know he's got the relationship with Joel, so I, I guess I would root for him. Boston would be too painful. Sean, how about you? That's a real Sophie's choice you've proposed here. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I would vote. I would hope that uh, whoever comes out of the West wins, obviously. But if I had to choose... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I I really enjoy watching Tatum and Brown play, and I, it's awful because they're the Celtics. But Tatum's just so smooth. I really enjoy his game, and I I really dislike all of Jimmy's try hard. I'm I'm the t- the toughest slash hardest working guy in the world. I hate all that stuff. So for hi- for that to kind of like pay off, like. If for him to say, oh, I got I got here and, and won this title because I was the only one in the gym at 3.30 in the morning, I, I just really wouldn't want to see that. And uh, so I, I guess... <laughs> with hard work. I guess I would be hurting for Boston. Um, I don't know. It, it's a no-win situation, truly. <laughs> I think I would just slightly kind of want Boston to win because deep down the, I don't know, the NBA nerd in me wants to be right and I had said all year I thought the Celtics were at least like the fourth best team in the league I thought they were really really good all year I thought that I was I was very set on they were going to take it to the Raptors because I just thought they were a really good matchup for them and I think they're probably really happy that the Bucks are losing because they've gotten killed by the Bucks every time this year that the Bucks have been way too big for them they can't get to they can't really finish at the rim over Lopez and Giannis I think they would much rather play the Heat and that, I mean it would be a good series obviously but I mean, like, I, I don't know if that's, that's kind of uh, 
weird or lame answer, but I kind of want to be right in the smallest sense. And then you no, no, that's not. I've been, I've been on the Celtics being really good all year. Plus, second year in a row, potentially the Sixers get knocked out by the champs if, oh, if Boston was to win at all. So you can say like, oh, Sixers, second best team in the league again. You know, <laughs> just just a few bounces away from that. No, I'm, I'm obviously kidding. They got swept. They're awful. Um, <laughs> well, Sean, that's the mission of the podcast today: is us putting on our uh, GM hats and trying to figure out how to make them less awful, and. The best way to do that is to trade away all these horrible contracts that the front office collaboration has saddled us with. So that's what we're going to be doing for most of the rest of the pod today is we've all come up with a bunch of trade ideas, some that are like really good that we think that would be really smart moves, some that we are trying to keep realistic that we could definitely see happening somewhere. Just just put the thought out there because it's uh, the one thing we need to start with is just that you shouldn't expect the Sixers to really get something too great in any of these trades because you have to realize just how bad those the Tobias Harris and Al Horford contracts are. Are we trading Joel Embiid for doing his Mountain Dew ad? <laughs> we are. We are maybe taking phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Who are you not hanging up on? Um, I, I can't remember who said earlier this year. It's like, what if, like. I don't know, the Rockets got weird and just called and said, like, James Harden for Embiid and then hung up. And then... <laughs> Didn't even wait for an do? answer. <laughs> what do you do? You call them back and ask questions. <laughs> so, so, in all in all seriousness, one of one of my, like, legit, semi-legitimate proposals involves trading Embiid. So, well, if we, if we want to get started... Get, yeah, let's I can go leave. with that one. Start let's there. start there, yeah. All right, so... I will preface this by saying I'm firmly in the you don't trade Ben or Joel camp. And I think speculation to the contrary is kind of short-sighted and not really, it's counterproductive to the Sixers moving forward. However, if Washington wanted to trade Bradley Beal for Joel Embiid, I would be open to such a suggestion. Um, Beal has one fewer year on his deal so Washington could be intrigued by having a little more uh, protect like a guy a franchise caliber player for an additional year Joel is signed through 2022-23 and Beal has a player option in that year which he'll almost certainly decline and uh, get another big deal in uh, free agency so that could appeal to Washington to have an extra year of uh, a guy of that talent under their control. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm kind of just souring on the idea of Joel being the guy you can run everything through in the playoffs. I think we've seen the past few years that the playoffs are a little bit different animal and it's just really hard in crunch time situations to have to get your post player the ball in with how the rules have changed in the NBA and how just offense works in the modern area. So if they had to like, this is like the blow it up option. I think getting Beal in a guy that is, you know, a top 20 ish player in the league and really fits what you would want to do with a modern offense running pick and rolls and just jacking threes and just, he's a well-rounded offensive player in all three levels. And he would obviously fit, incredibly well with Ben 
relative to how Joel fits with him. So I think that would be a much better duo for the Sixers to to build off of the next couple of years than Ben and Joel. I I would hate doing it because I love Joel and I, you know, he's, he is the process in, in name and in like every figurative sense you could consider. But if they had to start over, I think Beal would be a, a good option for them. What if they said we prefer Ben? I wouldn't do it just because Ben's extension runs a couple years longer. Mm-hmm. So I think that would I, – I just think you're, there's the potential that Beal would just leave and then you're, you're left with, you know, nothing but another year of Joel. And by that point, he would probably be really unhappy. And then you could be, like, literally starting from scratch. Whereas at least if Beal leaves, you would still have Ben for a few more years. And that's a, still a solid foundation. So you're projecting in some still unhappiness for Joel. <laughs> I'm just saying in the scenario where Beal didn't want to stick, stick around. Yeah, yeah. Like it, he wouldn't want to stick around because things didn't break right. And if things didn't break right, why would Joel want to still, what would have changed that would have made Joel happy about the situation, I guess. Yeah, I think, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, before we trade Joel Embiid for Bradley Beal, do I get to personally call Bradley Beal and ask him if he's going to play defense again? Cause he hasn't done that since 2017. Yeah. I was thinking that too. <laughs> He, I was just down there with like, like Trey Young. Effort. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many of those points he scored this year he gave back. All of them. Yeah. Just about all. <laughs> and he was re- he's really good on offense. Like, and I understand one thing he would do really well is that we talk about how the Sixers basically draw the most like fouls in the league whenever Joel Embiid's on the court and then never get to the foul line when Embiid's off. Bradley Beal does a really good job getting to the foul line. I think Kevin O'Connor for The Ringer wrote about it earlier this year where Bradley Beal started picking up his, like, dribble sooner so he could quickly get his arms into other players. Like, the thing Tobias Harris never does where he properly swings his arms into other guys so we can get the foul calls. Mm -hmm. But that would really help. And obviously the the off-the-dribble shot creation is desperately needed. So, like, I don't hate it, but I don't know, like – it's tough. And it, feels I don't sell, even... it feels like we're selling low on Joel if it's just for Bradley Beal. Because I think Joel, as much as I like Bradley Beal, Joel's a lot better than that. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, like on the flip side, I'm not even sure Washington would want to do it. Like just because they have a lot of their more promising young players are big men, either fours or fives. So Beal fits a lot better if they think they can convince them to stick around long term, longer term than what is couple year extension was so yeah it's a complicated situation but I think if there had to be a blow it up option like that's one of the few avenues where if it happened I wouldn't be like completely depressed about it I, th- I think there would it would make some sense at least so mm-hmm. if, if we're thinking a little outside the box that's that's something I came up with mm-hmm. well Dave do you want to start with your first trade idea uh, let's see sure I have a few in the like you're gonna try to we've heard a few times they're gonna try to move Al Horford I think um your own Weitzman wrote for Bleacher Report not long ago that he thinks it's likely they're gonna try to do that um there might have been like a quote from a rival exec saying I don't know if they're gonna be able to it could be pretty expensive in terms of a pick or two um so if you're looking to take back a contract that you're not thrilled about and maybe add a sweetener for them or two, if you have to, 
Uh, I have a few guys like, you know, you could think about Kevin Love. I had that one too. Yeah. You could think about like really, really not exciting would be Harrison Barnes. I had that too. <laughs> a, little, a little more exciting. All right. So we're in the same ballpark. A little more exciting would be Otto Porter because he's at least pretty good. The problem is that Otto is such a big injury guy. I feel like yeah. he's good, but just like the injuries could be such a problem. I did. Well, they like, are for Horford. I mean, yeah. I did have this one thing. I think I looked it up with um, Harrison Barnes and Al Horford. I think I have it somewhere here. Oh, yeah. Just this past year catch and shoot jumpers Al Horford was 38th percentile Harrison Barnes was 68th percentile hey so that kind of works not to mention I did not know Harrison Barnes on basketball reference that his nickname was the Black Falcon which <laughs> is that true awesome oh yeah nickname. that that's a, and that's a legitimate thing that's not like sometimes ba- uh, basketball reference has like totally obscure things that no one else has ever called anyone but are that's an are you referencing that, beyond waiters calling himself Kobe Wade <laughs> no so he's actually said that like but literally there's sometimes stuff on basketball reference where you can't find an instance of anyone ever using the nickname but barnes legitimately called himself that and i think he might have even like came up with a logo had it had like a black falcon logo designed like you guys when he are was... selling me on this i'm ready to call it in <laughs> yeah i'm ready get, to call get Ellen on the phone <laughs> who's glade's replacement i mean if we're going strictly on uh like nickname value, Black Falcon is infinitely better than Average Al. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's no, that, something you said for that, I'm sure. I mean, Harrison Barnes, his contract is about is roughly the same as Al's, like in terms of just probably money you're paying for, or maybe a little le- little bit less. He, I do think the Sixers would probably have to put in like the 34th or 36th pick with that, or like the 34th, 36th pick that they have this year. Oh, maybe. I would happily do that. Yeah, and, like, I'm trying to think. I don't understand why the Kings want him so bad, considering he is a center and Rashawn Holmes, who the Sixers gave away for practically nothing, was actually, like, when De'Aaron Fox was hurt from us this year, Rashawn Holmes was, like, the best player on the Kings. He had a really good season. So I don't know why you would bring another center in there, but there have been reports that the Kings are interested in now. So you definitely – Yeah, I think it was Mark Stein a year ago who was saying, like, there's two teams. Someone reported that it was like Philadelphia and, and Sacramento both looking to make huge offers for him. But I, I give them a little more credit. I think that they probably saw the tape this year and were like, you know, we have homes now, like you said. I think we're, we're kind of good. So it would be surprising to me if they actually wanted out without needing major incentive. Plus, mm-hmm. Lottie's out of there. So exactly. I think I would feel a lot more – realistic about sending Horford to Sacramento if Vladi was still there under the controls. Big but, man GMs. They love their big men. Yeah, exactly. And he is he I mean this was the guy that tried to say Marvin Bagley could play the three for them. So <laughs> I, I I I just you know whoever whatever decisions are being made in Sacramento have to be a lot more uh intelligent and nuanced via v vis-a-vis their roster construction than what they were previously so i don't i don't see why unless we really overwhelmed them with some legitimate picks why they would want to swap barnes for horford because barnes is a guy that at least he's like a fungible forward that can fit into a lot of different lineups plus they just gave him a pile of money so they might love him who knows yeah yeah it's a good point and i mean barnes like 
he can do some off the dribble. He can do more off the dribble stuff than Horford can. He's a little bit of a better spot up shooter. Like just in terms of mobility, the fact that I mean he likes to post up, but I don't think he has to. I do think he is a bit of a like the Sixers have problems we talked about of like making slow decisions, not like passing, not moving with urgency. Harrison Barnes is a very deliberate player. He he likes to catch the ball and hold it for a little bit, like to make his decisions. If you know what I'm saying, which yeah, you're giving me nightmares of his when he was in Dallas and he would just oh. stand there top of the key for like as if he were LeBron in Cleveland. Yeah, that was bad. Because actually, do you guys remember the 2016 game where the Sixers almost beat the 73-win Warriors, but Harrison Barnes hit that Yes. I thought Harrison Barnes was going to be like an all-star. It's like a 14-year-old. I was like, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. It was wrong. but <laughs> is, is it fair to say Harrison Barnes is a poor man's Tobias Harris and people are already upset with regular man's Tobias Harris on is Philadelphia? That, are, they, are they both just poor? Is it both just poor men? Well, Tobias with his contract is definitely not a poor man. <laughs> I, I have them in a very similar tier. Um, yeah, that's. About I think right. it was Mike O'Connor who recently wrote, like, at least Barnes knows how to draw fouls. That's a good point. Harris doesn't. Well, that's depressing that we were considering Harrison Barnes and our highest paid player next year in the same tier. Yeah, that's how bad it got. All right, <laughs> what about what about some slightly more palatable ones like? You dump Horford into cap space for, like, you know, a shooter like Luke Kennard. And Ooh, Detroit just takes him. If, if we can get Luke Kennard, I'm all for it. I like him a lot as a player. I don't I, think Detroit would – I don't know. Why, why would Detroit go for that? Because Detroit's in full rebuild mode. I don't think they – we'd have to attach a lot of picks to Al, I think. That's, to that's how that would look. Yeah, you'd have to put – you know, it, maybe they're betting that, like, Embiid's gone by 2024 and they want that pick. Like – the, and then you might also have to attach the young prospects. Like, as much as we love Matisse, like, if you want to actually make some moves this summer as the Sixers, you have to realize that Al Horford and Tobias Harris are negative assets, that people do not really want them. So you probably have to attach stuff to them. You're, the few things, like, outside of Ben and Joel that have trade value are your picks, Matisse, and I think – I still think Josh Richardson has positive overall trade value because oh, he does. he does. He's not that old. He, he was bad, but he wasn't terrible. And he, the theory of him is like this kind of defensive-minded, can kind of handle a little bit, does a little bit like, what is it, um, jack-of-all-trades but master of none, that kind of guard. Like he has use still, and it's still a fine contract. So you could trade Jay Rich for something okay. Yeah, I, I, he's I like 11 million on an expiring. Yeah, and he's, he's a guy that can fit anywhere. Mm -hmm. So – He's definitely a positive asset for them. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it was Brian Toprek of with Forbes who wrote this, like, what if they wanted to keep him beyond the, the coming season? Like, it would, it would be exorbitant for them. And he does have value, but he's, he's really not a fit. I also have this, like, mini conspiracy theory that he's not everyone's favorite, favorite player. Um, mm. I think Joel's postgame after we got swept, he was like, you know, Tobias, Al, Ben. He named like five, six, seven guys and not Josh. It was and like I'm, the Kyrie Irving thing from earlier this year. What was that? When Kyrie was like listing off how the Nets need more pieces, but he didn't mention Joe Harris or Jared Allen, even though Joe Harris was like their third best player this year. Yeah, it's, it's very, very possible that it was an unintentional, uh, you know, non-mention. 
But watching that series, I, I thought I was like pulling my hair out. There were so many times I was thinking, Josh, just give it to Joel. He's, he's posting up as hard as he can. Just, just send an entry pass. And he's he wouldn't. One of the worst passers I've ever seen as a guard. He yeah, so pass. I wouldn't be shocked if Joel was meh on playing with Josh again next year. Do you think that also has to do with the fact that Josh was supposed to be the basic like replacement in his two-man game with uh, JJ Redick? Like basically, Josh Richardson, he was what they got in exchange for Jimmy, and he's kind of re- tried to replace the role of JJ in the offense as Embiid's partner. So he was I like, like this trying Freudian to, analysis. Trying to replace Joel's best friends. Yeah, you know, you're right. Made him upset that he wasn't as good as them. Could be something to that for sure. He, he's the guy they traded for Jimmy. So it's like if your parents force you to break up with your girlfriend because they say she's a bad influence, and then they say, why don't you date this girl down the street? And she could be a perfectly <laughs> nice girl, but you don't want anything to do with her because you're still in love with your, your old girlfriend. So Josh is that girl. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the girl down the street that's perfectly nice, but just doesn't have that, that special something that, that turns you on. And the parents are Elton plus collaborative. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alec Rucker and Mark Eversley are both your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. We're we're off the rails here. Um, I have a uh, a Horford one that I I actually kind of like, and I think is a little bit realistic. Um, I think they just suck it up and take Nick Batum off Charlotte. I like that. I actually do like that. So, looking at the contracts, Batum has a twenty-seven million million player option for next year which he's absolutely going to take because no one in their right mind is giving him anywhere near that i can't um, believe he's still making this much money it's it's crazy and i uh, really like him but it went downhill fast yeah he was a great player you know six years ago um <laughs> and he was even still a useful player as recently as like three years ago but he's he looked pretty washed this past season so you're taking him on just to dump horford and i think that charlotte is a team that they wouldn't really mind having the extra year with Horford. And then there's even a, an additional year, but that last year for Horford's only 14 million guaranteed. So I don't think that year is too toxic. You can probably find something to do with that. Um, but it's not like they're in a championship window where they're like, oh, but that'll really screw us up in the summer of 2021 when we're, we really wanted to make that next step that they'd be willing to take on that extra year. So if you give them you know, a couple of nice second round picks. I think they'd be willing to talk about that. And Horford could be a guy where he's definitely provides more on court value for Charlotte this, this upcoming year than Batum would. So if they say, Hey, we want to be a little more competitive, start winning some more games with these young guys so they can be in a, a, a better winning environment with a veteran who's, you know, by our, he's a great guy and great locker room presence and he could really help grow and develop our younger players like Horford would be a, a great guy for them to have around um, and then as far as the Sixers next year yeah you lose something not having Horford as your backup five but I think that's kind of negated by not having to just because Horford carries so much cachet in the contract you don't have to then pigeonhole him as a four in lineups alongside Embiid so I think you, you get a little better in those minutes and then a little bit worse in the minutes where Horford would have been your backup five. But, like, whatever, stick Norvell Pell in there for 12 minutes a game. I think you don't lose nearly as much. Um, and you're much better in the future. Then you can look at the, the summer of 2021 and you have suddenly you have some cap space to work with. 
So it's kind of like sucking it up for one year and you get it slightly worse and then your future outlook looks a little bit better. Wouldn't it be really funny that for Al to, after everything suffer, suffers through this whole year, goes to Charlotte, Charlotte takes James Wise from that three and he's stuck with another center who can't really <laughs> shoot to the ball inside. Michael Jordan loves and, the idea of him playing alongside Weissman. <laughs> it's a poor, poor PJ Washington just looking on in frustration from the bench. Realizing that he's better at the center position than both those guys. Yeah. Is hey, are there for, any? For uh, money. So I know Wiseman, as a as a Duke or Wiseman's not a not an ACC guy. So is there any like top ACC guys? Because that's that's pretty much who Jordan. I mean, Paul is. Anthony's from North Carolina. He's not good enough to go number three. Like he's probably more in the ten to fourteen range. Like, and he's a guard. So I mean, I he kind of fit. But, Tyler Hansborough went well ahead of slot, so I wouldn't put anything past uh, the Jordan-led Hornets. I think I, I joked last year that I, I wrote it down somewhere there. I can't wait to see the Charlotte Hornets win the 2019 draft lottery and take Luke May number one overall, which I, would, I just thought I was so ready for that to happen. Luke May, had, yeah, he, he really uh, saw a stock drop by returning to college the additional year. Oh, yeah. Um, no, all right, I, so... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think we, we could all, the consensus, we could get on board with a Horford platoon swap. If it, I as mean, long it, as certainly, it... it certainly wouldn't excite me. And, like, there's part of me as a fan who, who gets mad thinking, like, you have to dump Horford for money to not even make the team better. And you want us to root for that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think I would almost prefer to include future assets to, for something that's, like, a little better. Even if that future asset was like a first round, if it was the 21st overall pick, you'd rather part with that and get somebody that could help you on the court. I think I would. I mean, the 21st pick in the draft could help. So it it would be close. Like what about, what about a couple of these where like Horford goes to Dallas and you could get Tim Hardaway and maybe Seth Curry, what type of asset would you include in that to get a couple shooters back? I think if you called Dallas for that trade, they would laugh at you because Seth, they, Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway and Seth Curry are so much more valuable than Horford at this point. Like those two were really good for them all year, and they love Curry. Let's oh, yeah. say that let's say that they got a creepy medical on Porzingis, and so now you're looking at what if he misses significant time next year? Can we really go to war all season long with with Kleber? Well, Max I mean, Dwight Powell might be back. True. And that's, that's a big thing for them, too, is that Dwight Powell is a really good center most of this year. I, I don't think Al Horford really is who they would want in Dallas with how their five-out spacing kind of works. I, I'm a fan of the Nick Batum salary dump trade because, to me, it's like reversal of what's been the usual Sixers philosophy of, like, trade all the, way, all the assets away for Tobias Harris. And then because we did that trade, we don't want to just – have a terrible trading lose the guy so now we have to overpay him it's like no it's okay to admit you made a mistake with al and do what you can to cut your losses so you only have to deal with a bad contract for one more year plus you can probably flip that nick batum expiring for other things because there might be teams that want to go after some guys in free agency and they could use a big expiring contract like that so i i think if they i would be completely fine if they just said if the hornets are willing to take al horford and you take nick batum you're done with that in a year and it's over. 
as long as you're wishing for them to learn about the sunk cost fallacy, we might as well apply it to the front office. Why are you so loyal to the Colangelos? Why are you so loyal to Elton Brand? Why can't we admit a mistake and move forward? Anyway, how about Horford or Harris for like Patty Mills and Rudy Gay? We give some picks. I, it's okay. I'm not sure how I feel about it because I just don't know how good that really makes you. Like, Rudy Gay had a great game against the Sixers in the seeding games. He didn't have a great year. He, I mean, anything seems good just getting off the Tobias <laughs> and Horford contracts. I don't know if I love that one. The, I mean, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on that one. I, that one kind of, like, meh to me. Okay. What are, their, are they both expiring? What are their deals like? Um, let me look up Spurs. I don't think they are. I think they have options, so so it might be ambiguous. One quick thing I want to throw at you guys. What do you think the Cavs think their big trade package for Ben Simmons is? Because they, they think they're both they inked <laughs> for next year. They're both inked. Okay, okay, got it. But I was saying, what do you think the Cavs – because it was reported the Cavs think they have a good package for Ben Simmons. I know they want to keep Colin Sexton probably, so – do you think they think that, like, Darius Carlin, Kevin Porter Jr., and Kevin Love is enough for Ben Simmons? Is that, like, what the Cavs think? Uh, maybe it's just Drummond and Thompson for him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know where the, those rumors popped up with the Cavs fans or Cavs Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And, yeah, I don't, they, they're sipping too much Kool-Aid. I don't, I don't it know. reminds you of, like, the Warriors are worried about Draymond Green and Ben Simmons fit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it popped up because it was uh, Chris Fedora for Cleveland.com and like a mailbag, and they were asking about offseason trades, and he said he had a source within like the Cavs front office that said they think they have a good package for Ben Simmons. So, I mean, it's the Cavs themselves spreading the rumor, I guess. They uh, need to think again. One, about whatever. one guy we haven't put in any trades that I'd be willing to is, I mean, I don't know if he has any trade value, but if teams around the league still view Tobias, I mean, not to view Zaire Smith as some kind of asset, I'd be willing to part with him. I mean, I probably like Zaire less than the average Sixers fan because I was like dead set on getting Mikhail Bridges in that draft. And even if the trade made sense from like an asset acquirement standpoint, I didn't love it. And I was thinking like, I don't think that this team would do that, this trade that I'm proposing that the Sixers would trade with them. But I just wanted to I just wanted to put out a fun trade there because this guy that they would trade for is one of my favorite players in the NBA. Like Zaire Smith and the 21st pick and maybe another second rounder for Aaron Holiday of the Pacers. Cause I think Aaron Holiday's really good. I think he's been really good. Yeah, I don't know if why Indiana would do that. I mean, they they used their first round pick on Holiday and <laughs> by all accounts. I'm just trying they, to they like, like it. They like him a lot. He's performed well. His brother's on the team. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think Zaire really has any value aside. Like, I don't think it's a negative value, obviously, but I think if Zaire's in a trade, it's strictly for salary matching purposes. I don't yeah. think people are like, oh, well, if you throw Zaire in, that changes things. I don't I don't think anyone's thinking that way. I mean, yeah, I, think I, I just wanted to boost a morale. Like, that's really all I wanted. Aaron, I just wanted to see Aaron Holiday in a Sixers uniform. Like, I wanted to have players I like, again, to root for. With the name Holiday on the back. Oh, it would be beautiful. Yeah. I, I think Zaire would have some value to, like, if Oklahoma somehow did not have Chris Paul, I could see them, why would we not want 
Zaire. You know, maybe the Knicks, if the Knicks could get him. Someone who was clearly rebuilding would have no reason not to give him a shot. You mentioned yeah. true. You mentioned Chris Paul. That was I mean, I think that's a really big one. I would definitely be in favor of the Sixers going after him. Here's one I wrote down. I don't know how it sounds. I was just trying to think of stuff so I can I'll shoot this at you guys and see what you think about this trade. Cause I think you have to understand that you would have to trade a lot for Chris Paul at this point because of how good he played this whole season in the playoffs. So even though he had a turnover in the last seven minutes of the game last night and didn't score. He was really good still in the game. Chris Paul would make the Sixers instantly better. I, of course, I of course. Firmly that opinion. But I was making fun of the narrative that that he's like a choke. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, the pick this year, and I don't know how many first round picks you have to attach onto that afterwards to get Chris Paul. But like, say, what if it was two unprotected first, like our one this year and in twenty twenty two. Tobias Harris, Matisse Seibel for Chris Paul. What would you think? Uh, would we be allowed to do that? I guess once we drafted a player, we would, right? Well, yeah, but it's like I, it's 2020 first-round pick and 2022 first-round pick, which I think is good by the Stepien rule because they're not in back-to-back yep. years. Yeah, you're right. So, I, uh, I, think it, I think it works like salary. I think it fits all the rules of a trade. And I did throw in, if the Thunder really wanted it, I might even throw a third first-rounder in there. That might just be that – I'm so dead set on getting rid of the Tobias Harris contract, and I think Chris Paul is good. It might be too much, but, like, would you be in favor of a type of trade like that? So, say, the, say the full deal again. We get Chris Paul. Harris is out. We're giving up this year's pick to 2022 and Thibel? Yeah. I think you have to. I think so, too. Just I mean, kinda... giving up the, the best pick, the best asset there is Thibel or the 2022, right? And you're projecting to be – pretty damn good in 2022 mm-hmm. no yeah that would i just think chris paul from the whole standpoint the sixers need someone like they've been missing that small guard who can create off the dribble shots for them for so long that would just really help i mean the one worry is that i don't know how that fits great with joel and ben two guys who like to have the ball in their hands that i mean chris paul can shoot off the ball and he did a good job this year functioning with shea gilgis alexander and dennis schroeder both like to have the ball a lot but so i mean there's some fit issues but i still think it's a much better fit than what we have right now and yep yeah i think i think that's a little overblown like paul needs to have the ball in his hands yeah their their, their personality is conflicted but he he and harden played really well together like and amazing not, well yeah if not for the what was it a calf injury that paul suffered ha- hammy i think hammy yeah if not for that they looked like they were going to beat the warriors when the, the warriors best team ever were, yeah, yeah were the warriors so yeah i think he can definitely coexist with another ball handle and yeah like kim and sga played great together this year so yeah. i i think i don't think i i wouldn't have a concern with him and ben working together at all um my thing is you're really you're even more it's like you're going all in even more so do you think paul simmons and Embiid is enough to win you a title because otherwise you're getting rid of matisse who's like your best super young player slash asset right now to and you're just banking and multiple picks and you're just banking on like all right that core that core is enough to win well i mean what they have right now isn't good enough to win a title. And I don't really know if there's a way out to kind of reconstruct all of this. So it reminds you kind of like, um, do you guys watch Brooklyn nine, nine 
either of you? I've seen, a, I've seen a bunch. Yeah, um, it reminds me of that quote from Charles Boyle where he's like, the only way out of this hole is to keep digging. That's kind of, <laughs> I feel like, where the Sixers are at at this point. So, you know, if we've already gone past the point of no return with getting rid of all of our assets, we might as well just – I mean, because – so this is the opposite of a sunk cost thing. This is, well, this is like sink, <laughs> sink deeper in the cost. I think, well, it, well, Paul I think it's a little so different good. that – I think it's a little different in that, like, to, you are legitimately getting better by this move. Yeah. Like, which I think does help. And, I mean, because you have to think, like, they're screwed from the cap situation. Tobias is like, Chris Paul has less years on his contract than Tobias does left. So I think that really helps that – like, if this is bad, like, you do get out of it sooner. Like, you just have to understand that at the moment, like, we're stuck with Tobias Harris till at least 2024. So, like, you have to think of ways out of this that – and the, this is one of the few moves that I think gets you out of that while also making you pretty clearly better, which I think is a huge plus. One quick thing while we're talking about the OKC Thunder, would you trade – every one of the Sixers' 10 draft picks for the next 10 years for Lugens Dort, because I think I might after that series. <laughs> oh, he was my guy for our complaint corner. Oh, he was so, he was so good. I, I ranked him pretty – like, I had him at, like, 30th on my big board, and he went undrafted last year, because I just really liked, like, his athleticism. No, uh, Lou Dort is so much fun. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll go into my spiel now. Um, so we're, we were going to do we're, – we're doing a – should have been a Sixer. Um, Fixter's roster, complaint corner. We'll, we'll come up with a better name eventually. I, I'm trying to remember who have we had so far, because I think it was first week was Dario Saric and Sterling Brown. The next week might have been Jason Tatum, and was Jason Tatum was one of them. Yeah, which, I mean, that's it's an obvious one. <laughs> that's people, people bring that up on an almost daily basis. As, but yeah, as going, to what, Ludor, going to Ludor. Yeah, um, yeah so the 2019 draft, as you mentioned, some people thought he could have gone late first round, doesn't get picked in either round, and immediately after the draft, OKC calls him and signs him to a two-way contract. You know, where where is front office collaboration on that? Why why don't you recognize, hey, there's a guy that sh- like could have went in the first round going undrafted, and that same draft, not only they – basically sell the 42nd overall pick to get off of uh, Jonathan Simmons' one million year guaranteed contract. Um, but they also signed uh, Marielle Shayok to a two-year deal after, or two-way contract after selecting him with uh, something in the 50s, I forget. But I remember the explanation for why they drafted Shayok who most people didn't have in like the top 75 was because he was a guy willing to sign a two-way contract. Well, apparently another guy willing to sign a two-way contract was Lou Dort, who could have been a first round pick potentially. So why not take the guy who could have been a first round pick versus on a two-way contract versus the guy who wouldn't have been top 75 in most people's boards. It's, you know, and then that's, that's the kind of uh, foresight, a, well-run franchise like Oklahoma City makes and suddenly a year down the road you have a guy who's shutting down James Harden in a in a series so that was that crazy been nice. a guy who didn't who can't space the floor dramatically change the series we all thought would go a certain way I, I know you're not talking about Luth game 
game leading scorer 30 points Dort before game seven before game seven <laughs> he I, I think there was a stat he was the only him it was, I know what stat you're talking about yeah. it was the only guys under 21 years old like or under like 23 years old in a game seven to score like over 25 points were like him LeBron and Kobe so yep. I mean it's proper recognition for Lou Dort and his talents but you know Sean, you're talking about the Sixers couldn't sign. You know, that's not how a collaboration works. You can't just sign a guy right after a draft. You have to collaborate. You have to make <laughs> phone calls for a couple of days, figure this stuff out. And yeah. eventually you get Al Horford for $108 million. They couldn't, get, they couldn't get Eversley to respond to the Slack channel in time. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently their, their like communication and response times work great when they're texting some guy within the Celtics front office that they're taking Matisse Thibel. So, oh. no. <laughs> I can already see the narratives being written. Elton Brand has to dump Matisse Thibel, one of the only good things he's ever done, in order to get off of Al Horford. Yeah. So that would have mean we traded 24th and 33 to throw away whatever how many million at 30 million a year yeah uh butler and reddick <laughs> if it's, if we're doing a roster complaint corner i i have one for myself because uh you guys remember when jeremy grant was a sixer right oh yeah do i ever jeremy grant probably the third best player for the nuggets for that entire series really they're only probably their only good two-way player the entire series who was a positive on both offense and kind of on defense like I yep, mean he, Donovan he was Mitchell good. was hitting everything but he was basically guarding him better than most up until Gary Harris came back he was knocking down a ton of threes his athleticism was so good they basically Mike Malone needed to swap out Paul Millsap for him because Millsap looked like a shell of himself mm-hmm. but Jeremy Grant was I mean did what we always thought he could do he, the shot was going in he was He's an athletic freak out there that can fly all over the court. He was making all these weak side blocks. He could actually, like when the Jazz kept killing them on the rolls to the, out of the ball screens, like he was actually coming over for pretty good blocks. He was hitting jumpers. So, I mean, Jeremy Grant, like, I know that Ersan Ilyasova helped and that after like five trades later, the Sixers did get like the first round pick that they wanted all along in this draft. But it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm not even as more mad at the move to get rid of Jeremy Grant for Ersan Eliasova way back when. More just the fact that it's like, it hurts sometimes that have, you had this guy for a while. He was in your life for a few years. Jer- this guy you started to believe in, in Jeremy Grant. And you have to see him go on to, like, become a – he's like a top 100 NBA player probably. Like, is that he, – like, He's a starting caliber second-round stretch four who can switch at this point. I mean, that's – He's that's good. Plug and play. Yeah, he's good. I'd rather have him than now. I had him down too for this. You know what bothers me is that when people say that they traded him for a pick in Ilyasova, they forget to mention that wasn't the Ilyasova stint that helped. Yeah. They just grabbed him off waivers after that. That's a good point because there were two Ilyas. I mean, I still think Ilyasova, I still had fun watching Ilyasova in 2017, but like the stint at the end of 2018 was the one that mattered. Yeah. Although revisionist history we go back it's like a there's a small narrative out there now that maybe the Sixers would have been better if they never had gone on that run in 2018 to win 16 straight games because it convinced the front office that it was time to win now that this was a title team that they're this good and you have to go all in right away instead of 
this is a young team who was going to be like the sixth seed before that win streak. And then suddenly like there were a ton of expectations on them to go ahead and be one of the contenders. Yeah. Or worse, we can run this show ourselves, whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. You can't take that 16 game win streak away from me. That was one of the most fun (laughs) I've had as a Sixers fan in the last five years. Beating LeBron. (laughs) Yeah. So much fun. I do have one last, a few last trades I want to throw at you guys. So this is just another one. Like, do you think Josh Richardson and like a second rounder for Tyus Jones on the Grizzlies makes like any sense? Cause I mean, he's another like small point guard creator type. Uh, I, I think I love, I love Jones. Like I, I really, really wanted him on the MLE last season. Even like if we could get a non-tax pairs one around 9 million, which we could have done if they run it back. Uh, he was one of my guys there, like Seth Curry, DeLon Wright, that you could go after with that type of money, maybe George Hill. Um, I don't think it's great value. I don't know that he even has straight up more value than Josh. So it would be like a purely fit decision. But I- I'm open to it. I don't know about his defense. It's like, yeah, I think- it's like acceptable, I guess, for a small point guard. I-, I, w- I would just agree with Dave that it's really a sell low on Josh. And I think – we kind of discussed earlier that Josh is still a positive asset, even if he's not a great fit here. And I think you could, you could get a lot more than a backup point guard for, for Josh. So mm-hmm. if, if, if you're looking to trade him, I'd look elsewhere or even just use him to get off one of the help get off one of the, the Horford or Tobias. Yeah. Contracts. That's, that's a good point. That's my favorite idea to do with Josh. Like I would love to get as much bang for your buck moving Josh you know, some people have said, like, dump Horford and Josh to the Kings, ask for healed, and add in some picks if they need that. Um, maybe, maybe you get Corey Joseph to make the money work. I've heard iterations like that that I really like. Yeah, I've, yeah. Heard, I've heard of those trades, too. I mean, Buddy Heald's been a popular target for the Sixers as a trade option. Like, and Buddy's good. The fit would be better. I don't really think Buddy is doing that much for you. Like, there's a reason – the Kings got better when they made him the sixth man this year and started Bogdan Bogdanovich instead. Like, Buddy can shoot, and he can shoot off the dribble a little bit. He doesn't create a ton of wide-open good shots because his handle isn't really that tight. He doesn't get to the rim a tongue. He really is not that good of a defender. So, and his contract is now, like, pretty decently sized for the next four years. So, like, again, I think Buddy would be okay, but it's like, I think some people, when they picture these trades, they think, oh, Buddy Heald, he's like a not an all-star, but like a sub-all-star, like in that next tier. Like, I don't really think of him as that kind of player. So Our, our baseline here is just running it back with Horford. That's a good point. Like, that, that is fair. How good I, Buddy I, you have to be? I mean, that would still be a – I mean, yeah, I guess it's like an upgrade, but I don't know if it's like – it's like yeah instead of the six seed they're the five seed next year is like kind of what i think like it doesn't make them that much better yeah the other big trade i was just thinking about like because there have been some rumors about him wanting to leave this place like is there any way the sixers could trade for victor oladipo just i know it's one last year but like and this would not i mean again going against the sunk cost fallacy that's already doomed the sixers but like i'm trying to think like would you offer like any I'm just trying to brainstorm if there's any way to make that happen, even if it involves trading like Ben. 
it's like well you wouldn't want to do it for ben because you don't know what his injury yeah. situation is but it but a josh plus mike scott plus zaire plus thibel plus picks would probably yeah. be how it looked right i mean that could be this is the problem is that the sixers don't have any that matisse is while he's matisse thibel's good and he would get something like usually when you trade for these like all-star to like just below all-star types you need like a really good young player who could kind of the other team could see as becoming something like that whereas Matisse Thibel's peak is probably like a first team all defense guy who maybe just shoots well enough to be on the court still in like, like big a, games and that's like a Bruce Bowen yeah like and even that like I, I don't know but that's like a ceiling for him yeah so it's just like it's really hard when you don't like turns out when you trade away all of your young assets for overpaid guys who are really like the 70th best players in the league it really hurts you going forward turns out when you do almost everything wrong for three years that you're not <laughs> in a good situation <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't i don't really see a path to oladipo i mean indiana would really i mean i know there's been some friction there but they would really have to have soured on him. But I don't, I don't see how they would just like sell a guy that was really in like the sub MVP conversation two years ago. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I would go that they, far. But. Well, like, he was it, like like a six through ten in the MVP balloting type player. Um, he, was, he was really good. I, I mean, he he was a very very good player a few years ago. Yeah. So to go from that to like, hey, we're we're gonna sell him for. Mitty Steibel, Josh Richardson, some picks. That that's a pretty big swing. So I don't I don't really see that. Yeah, I think another team could probably top our offer pretty easily too. That's, exactly. That's fair. Definitely fair. Uh, well, I think we've already run through about everything we think we could do for the Sixers. As we, there are some moves out there that might work. Yeah, I they definitely should try to get some stuff. But as you said, Sean, like. If you do things wrong for as long as the Sixers have these past four years, like it's really hard to get out of it. And I mean, we're hoping that wh whoever is in the front office, even if it's still the guys who we don't want to be there, that they somehow figure this out. Hey, Otherwise, Jimmy Butler was the 30th pick in the draft, and we've got the 34th, the 36th, the 21st. I mean, there's a lot of guys that draft would be good. <laughs> well, otherwise, uh, look forward to when this all gets cleared out and we can enjoy watching the Sixers in Camden in 2031. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good note to end on right there. Um, thanks so much to Dave for coming on with me and Sean today. Uh, you can read all of our work at libertyballers.com. Follow, follow Liberty Ballers on Twitter. Um, you can follow all of us on Twitter. We, we're all fairly active out there like putting out some good Sixers content NBA content for all of you and just thanks for listening yep Dave pump the handle real quick for people out there uh David early like early morning on Twitter <laughs> you can follow me I tweet mostly about the Sixers every once in a while I'll sneak in some football Sounds all right good. talk to everybody next week all right, all right guys thanks for having me more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.